The story must be told. A funny thing happened to me on the way to the service this evening. A Hyundai Elantra sedan approached a stop sign and came to a four-way stop. The driver had the right of way, but a truck was approaching the intersection at an unbelievable speed. So the driver had a decision to make. Did she stay put, confident the truck would blow the stop sign? Or would she move forward, confident in the other driver's respect for traffic law? Dear congregation, she did neither. She pulled into the intersection and jerked to a stop, hesitating, unsure of herself. Oh, story! She should have followed her initial instincts, because the truck did indeed blow the stop sign, and there was indeed a twist of metal! And there was a fire, cleansing her of her indecision as she struggled, <laughs> pinned to the steering wheel. And I thanked the story for this lesson as she barbecued in her Korean car. The story must be told. Brothers and sisters in the story, today's service is about certainty. What is certainty? Certainty, of course, is devotion to the story. For nothing in this life is certain but the story. Doubt yourself. Doubt your spouse, your children, your government, and any enemy of the truth of the story. Because only in doubt are we set free from the chains of falsehood. But what of certainty? Reserve certainty for the story, because I warn you, if you don't place your trust in the certainty of the story, one thing will be certain for you. <laughs> Devastation. The story is math made flesh. Sister Callista, please read from the book of Grandma Stevens the Impaled. You go first, whispered Charlie. No, you go first, whispered Katie. Charlie crawled on his belly into the sewer. Cold, wet, chemical and human waste to his knees. Katie followed with a splash. Katie's flashlight caught a flicker of reflected light deep into the bowels of the municipal plumbing. They followed the light a horrible stench guided them as well. At a bend in the sewer, their mouths fell open. Stuck to the slimy walls was the Collins family, spun in a web so big, God would have flinched. Katie and Charlie approached it, opened their mouths, and took a bite out of Mr. Collins' forearm. His arm meat slicked, down their throats with salty delight, seasoned lightly with spider poison. They would eat well this evening. Brothers and sisters, think of the web that is weaved by those who doubt the story. Feel the sticky spindles of their lies and their baseless attacks on us, the book and the story's words. 
May we become alpha spiders and spin them in a web of our own. May we drain their bodies of the internal juices that bubble with misunderstanding. Story, give me pincers. The story must be told. The Mathematics of Grocery Stores by Filthy Greg. Some park like Christians, carefully, symmetrically, enough room behind, in front, and side to side as an overture of their humility. But the math reveals they beg and demand to be dented, to be crowded, to be blocked in by a rusting SUV with oil in the engine so old it reeks like the musk of an alpha mammal seeking a mate. They trample the grid. X positive, Y positive, X negative, Y positive, Y positive, X negative, Y negative, X negative, Y negative. Their drivers dropping plastic gallons of milk, letting loose a single orange from a vinyl bag that gathers dirt and pebbles as it rolls away, stopping in chewed gum, joining an asphalt graveyard of shattered jars of mayonnaise while paper towels are loaded into trucks just waiting to devour the filth of a pending mess in a chic remodeled kitchen. This is the purgatory of the parking lot before the heaven of the grocery store. And the grocery store is the most perfect application of mathematics known to mankind. Place my graph paper and number two HB style lead pencil down in the passenger seat with tenderness. The passenger seat in my 1992 Honda Accord hatchback is 2.33 feet deep by 3.875 feet wide. I'm satisfied. I must go to the meat department immediately. I unclick my seatbelt and enjoy a twinge of arousal as I listen to the nylon strap being sucked into place at a 142 degree angle behind my left shoulder with a satisfying noise like a lover biting her lower lip and moaning as she edges closer to ecstasy. I have been wearing my seatbelt this whole time while parked because 50,000 car crashes occur in parking lots annually resulting in over 500 deaths and 60,000 injuries. I must go to the meat department. I get out of my car. I close my eyes and wait for the grid to appear in my mind. There it is. I see the lines, the angles, the negative and positive space. I have pinpointed the angle that will deliver me safely to the automatic sliding door. Eyes clenched, I walk. Step after step, no one touches me. Because <laughs> the math has predicted this. I open my eyes and I have arrived. <laughs> and I laugh. I want to cry out, see? Do you see? But there is no humor in the math. It is objective. It has delivered me. The invisible three-dimensional triangulated beam of the automatic door catches me and swings open. On an intercom 44.78 feet away from where I stand blurts a static shout. Welcome to the Kettering Kroger. Immediately, I am enraged. The Kettering Kroger? There are two Krogers in Kettering, Ohio. Not one. This is not the Kettering Kroger. What an insult to the perfect mathematics of the grocery store. Man corrupts it so frequently and with such carelessness. One Kroger. 
two is not one. You cannot say one is one, but also two, two is two ones. I could scream. I feel the vomit heat my back molars and I choke it down. I will need to vomit later. So I pull out my green memo pad from my front shirt pocket with my left hand and pull out my number two HB lead pencil from my right jeans pocket. I flip to a fresh page and write the day, date, time, and precise location of where I am standing at this very moment. 39.688-3587 degrees inclination, negative 84.1625761 declination. I put pencil to paper and press with force, not enough to rip the paper, but force all the same, and I write in capital letters so I can remind myself, vomit later. I put my writing materials away and rush past the manager's office through the pharmacy to the most unadvertised part of grocery stores, restrooms. I throw my shoulder into the restroom's scratched, neutrally painted door. I choke on the sharp stench of ammonia and dried piss as my right foot slips on the humid tiled floor. I steady myself at the sink and I begin pumping the soap dispenser as hard as I can. I pound with my left fist, ten pumps every five seconds, filling my right hand with dark green liquid soap. The soap does not smell like citrus fruit. It does not smell like lavender. It does not smell like a pleasant yet ultimately artificial perfume. The soap's odor is strictly utilitarian. It smells like what it is. It's sanitizing chemicals. I take a whiff and I feel my scrotum tighten and the tip of my penis briefly becomes more sensitive in my flannel boxer shorts. But I don't see liquid soap in my hand. I can feel its weight, its viscosity, its slickness, but what I see, what I physically see, is not liquid soap. What I see is the chemical equation for the very solution in my hand. It's, it's come to life. It moves at the mercy of gravity and motion. Numbers slip through my fingers and splat on the floor. The atomic weight of hydrogen slides down my wrist and into the cuff of my shirt, chilling my forearm with unbreakable, just, just perfect logic. I raise my hand to my mouth, and I eat it. It burns beneath my tongue and down my throat. My brain begs for me to spit it out, but I chug it down, handful after handful of sharp chemical sweetness. It turns in my stomach. I belch bubbles. I retch and I burp greasy air. The soap dispenser will yield no more liquid soap. I have eaten what I loosely determined to be an empirical quart. Dizzy, my shirt soaking, stomach swelling, and head pounding, I back against the wall. I rest my face against the cool tile and glance at the back of the bathroom door. On it is a laminated grid to track the time of cleaning the bathroom. There are cells for day, time, initial, and the paper assures me that the bathroom should be cleaned once an hour. It is Thursday, 1.41 p.m. The most recent cell shows the day, time, and signature of when the bathroom was last cleaned. Wednesday, 11 p.m. A.S. The rushed handwriting flowing into other cells on other rows of the grid. I stare at the sloppy handwriting and the author's rejection of the precise rows. It's a full confession of the employee's carelessness, lack of responsibility, and hatred of mathematical perfection. There's a pounding at the door. My throat hurts. I have been screaming. Open the door, sir! A familiar voice commands. I go cold. I clap my hand over my mouth to silence myself. My fingers slip over my lips, still wet with soap. Sir, open the door now. And then, to someone else, it's him, just fucking open it. 
the handle jiggles. I hear the tinkling noise of metal against metal. I scream insanely as the button of the accessible door handle pops out, unlocking the room. Before I can reach it, the door swings open. Behind the door is my nemesis, Bill Truman. He's 46 years old, lives at 808 Stroop Road, is divorced with no children, and drives a 1992 Ford Taurus Blue. He is the manager of this Kroger. He is my foe. His pencil-thin mustache quivers above his nearly invisible lips. The look on his face is of pure hatred and frustration, but I can't take it seriously because, first of all, I hate him. And second of all, his right eye is lazy and seems to be looking over my shoulder. I belch soap at him. Next to Bill is a boy I have never seen. He towers over us. His polo uniform shirt barely stretches over his hypnotizing body fat, and his eyes are so small they might as well not exist. He holds the screwdriver that popped open the bathroom door, forever invading my privacy. Bill squawks like a crow. I've made it abundantly clear that if you returned, I would get the police involved. You're trespassing. I stare at him motionlessly and wonder what his eyeglass prescription is. I burp and my tongue burns with a mixture of bile and soap. Someone ate all your soap, I tell him flatly. His face contorts in disgust and his glasses slide down his nose. I have the sudden urge to grab his face and bite his cheek as hard as possible. I can feel the wet meat of his face mixed with the oily chemicals of the soap slipping down my tongue and sliding down my throat. The urge passes, though. Come with me. Bill turns and leads me to the manager's office, his dumb teenage friend behind me. When we arrive at the office and he pulls out his key to let us in, I continue walking at a quick pace past the checkout lanes, gum and magazines, and into the parking lot. I have no time to appreciate its math, which is an unspeakable tragedy. I hear Bill's dumb teenage friend shout, but I get in my car, buckle in, and peel out at what I consider to be a dangerous velocity. It's 1.52 p.m., and I will return in 13 hours. It's 2.52 a.m., and I'm parked in front of the Kroger with my seatbelt on. My 1992 Honda Accord hatchback fills with smoke. The fire in the passenger seat gains strength. All my materials, my notebooks, my logs, my computer, my number two HB lead pencils, my diagrams, my compendium, letters never sent to prominent academics, change their chemical makeup in an engulfed seat doused with 90% isopropyl alcohol. I breathe in the fumes to the point of losing consciousness and unbuckle my seatbelt. My house key glows hot red in the flames. I pick it up, the skin on my fingers bubbling with third degree burns. I get out of the car and gently shut the door. I bring the searing key to my face and place the broadside of it against my open right eye. I smell the viscous membrane of my eye burn out and my vision turns bright red, then disappears. I do this to my left eye. I do not need my eyes for I can see. My eyes have been opened. They were opened yesterday afternoon when I was escaping Bill Truman, my nemesis, my foe. While speeding down Ron Road, I banked hard as a sparrow crossed my windshield too closely, bumped off the glass with a tiny burst of guts, and rolled over the hood of my car. I pulled over because I wanted to see it. There, by the side of the road, lay the sparrow with its thorax opened, its tiny bird guts spilled to the side. I knelt down before it and held it in my hand. When I looked closer to its insides, my perception forever changed. I saw the square root 
of the bird's existence. A new reality, a true reality, finally opened before me. The street, the road, the subdivisions around me were finally mathematical. Everything was mathematical. So I thanked the bird. Now a pile of numbers in my hands, also a pile of numbers, my own hand. And I threw the bird as far as I could into the field that was to my rights. I am back in the parking lot. I behold the grocery store. I have internalized its mathematics. I see what a common man cannot. There is another layer, a layer that I have broken into, a, a new dimension. I see angles on a graph. I see the weight of the atoms in the fiberglass that make up the sign K-R-O-G-E-R. -E My eyes have been opened. I'm behind the Kroger at the service door. I stare at the double-locked steel door. It unclicks and opens before me. I enter the inventory room for dry goods. The lights are on and the security system is active. An infrared beam that I can now see scans the area. I stare at it, <laughs> numbers running up and down the walls. The beam turns off and I gracefully walk between box after box of bounty double thick paper towels through the door to the grocery store. I glide to aisle 18, cleaning products. At the end of the aisle, the insecticide is highlighted in my mind in bright red, like the way a snake sees thermal energy. I'm drawn to it. I grab a box of roach traps and two cans of raid spray. I sit cross-legged on the recently waxed floor, open the box of roach traps, rip open the plastic roach motels, and lick the chemicals inside. I consume 24, plastic and all, my tongue burning. The inside of my cheeks are on fire, and the fire is cleansing. When I have had my fill, I take two cans of Raid Ant and Roach Killer fast acting and spray it inside my mouth and into my wounded eyes. And I, I cry. <laughs> I cry with rapture. The chemicals seal my leaking wounded eyeballs. I can see only the mathematical outlines of four-dimensional reality. I sense the atomic makeup of the world around me. I perceive the world better than I ever have, my brain sending out impulses to reflect back to me the way a dolphin uses echolocation or, or, or the way a bat uses sonar, and I, I weep, and, and I weep, and I weep because I'm grateful to the world. I, I am grateful to its precise science, spraying the rest of the raid into my mouth, just, just swallowing the chemicals down my throat, burning my esophagus, and melting my stomach. And, and, and so I, I crawl down the aisle and find an economy-sized bottle of Pine Sol. I open it, and I drink it. It's scented like a forest I have never been in, and I drink it all. I understand my time is now limited. My body is in agony, but my spirit is in ecstasy. I am the yin and the yang of existence, and I have transcended physicality. And I'm so thirsty I could vomit. But there is work to be done. I float to the meat department and grab handfuls of pre-cut cold cuts and load them into a shopping cart. I pack pound after pound of salted meat loaded with preservatives into the cart until it's so heavy it's hard to push. The cart resists. It is heavy. And I bring it to the front of the grocery store. Numbers fall off the shelves, equations drop from the ceiling, theorems blast out of the HVAC system and land on my shoulders like snowflakes. I, too, slowly disintegrate into atoms. With every step, more of me is now left behind. I unpack the meat and drop to the floor with a wet plop. 
My hearing is now muffled, and I'm grateful for that. I want my senses destroyed. Soon, I will only experience the world through the lens of true mathematics and chemistry, so I get to work piling the meat, shaping it, turkey, roast beef, bologna, Braunschweiger, chicken. I ask my hands to radiate intense heat, and they comply, and it roasts the cold cuts into shape. I've sculpted a pair of legs out of the meat. I need more meat. I go to the meats department and return, and sweating, vomiting, my hands shape a torso. My body begs for water, and I laugh while I deny it. I'm losing control of my bladder and bowels. My waist trickles to the floor, and my head just spinning in confusion. But I shape shoulders. I shape arms all out of the meat, burning it into place with my hands. Because I am pure energy. I am sightless, and I can see clearer than an owl. I have finally shaped the face. I step a few paces back and behold my creation. My brain blasts out impulses and they reflect back. I have made a perfect statue of myself out of the cold cuts, roasted into place with my body's energy, and, and it's more solid than marble. I've sculpted khakis, the creases in the pants created so perfectly you'd confuse my statue for a living, breathing human being. I've sculpted a Kroger uniform, complete with a name tag that reveals my name, my name to all those who see. I've sculpted my face down to its blemishes, scars, and, and eyebrows, and I, I, I cry at its perfection as I wobble and fall forward at its feet. My lungs begin to refuse air. My heart decides to slow, and just what perfection. <laughs> Here I am, on my back, on a bed of mathematics and, and perfect equations. I am disintegrating into atoms. I cry, I'm so happy, and I've been right this whole time. I've known, I've known, I've known, I've known, I've known this. I saw math before it was math, and I feel myself melts into a puddle, the numbers become so bright in my mind, searing like rays of sun into my soul. And so I command my soul to leave me. Feeling drains in my feet, up my legs, up my torso, and out my mouth. I float above my body. I see my burned fingers, my, my scarred over eyes, my face red and burned with chemicals. I move myself into the mouth of my statue, and he breathes me in. Feeling returns to my feet, my legs, my torso, and my head. I move my legs, made of meat. I wiggle my cold-cut fingers. I breathe in and I roar mathematics, shattering the glass display cases in the fish department. Bill will see this. Bill will see the perfected me, and I will forever be here. He will behold me and tremble. For I am become math. I am become grocery store. And I am become eternal understanding. The story must be told. Brothers and sisters, we learned today an important story about math. It is sacred. It is religiously, spiritually triumphant. It is then, therefore, powerful. Too powerful for any young man, young woman, old, young, tots, and elders. 
Listen, dear congregation, to this list of forbidden maths. Geometry. Ooh, algebra. Pre-calculus. Post-algebra. Liars trigonometry. The grid plane and the angles of sinners. Long multiplication and short stubby division. And if any of you are caught doing these forbidden maths, <laughs> don't worry. We're not monsters. Your story will just be denied you. And if you have any family in the church, they too shall be denied. was the story must be told and once upon a time a baby fell into a wood chipper we are proud to be hosted on the last podcast network lastpodcastnetwork.com it became mulch faster than you can say ah! follow us on twitter and instagram at tsmbtpod or pastor andrew at PSTR Andrew or brother Reed at our brother Reed or sister Callista at sister Callista and they sprinkled the mulch on a sapling. We got shirts for sale. Get them for them holidays. They're a nice gift from Topedo Co. Links on our Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. And eight years later, that sapling started growing fruit. Rate and review us. Subscribe. And all the fruit tasted like a baby's supple flesh. This was a post-everything production. Check out our short films on posteverythingproductions.com. They cry when you eat them. We'll be back next week after we sell this tree to the Catholic Church. Yeah, they get nasty. Boop, 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 boop. Beeped the alarm clock. Greg sat up with a shot and put a knife in his mouth, pushing it into his soft palate. He felt it poke the bottom of his eyes. And then his mother walked in and masturbated him. Good sound check? The story must be told.